Amen. Okay. So Romans chapter six. Romans chapter six from verse 15 to 23. Romans chapter six from verse, from verse 15 to 23. And I read, it says, reading from the New King James translation. It says, what then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves, of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have? What fruit what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. So guys, um, um, yeah, before I go into it, um, I'm guessing... We all read it. Did, did we all read it? Are we able to read this passage? Yeah. Okay. Can everyone talk where they are? Because I want I want this to I want us to be on this to be really interactive. I want us to yeah. go through it. Okay, awesome. I want us to go through it together. I mean, I have what I want to say, looking at the scripture, but I really want us to go through it together. Um, so, please indulge me sometimes to speak, but did we all, um, first of all, did we all understand what he was talking about, even though it's, it's a part of, a, of the whole of you know, what Paul was saying in um, in all of chapter six, but just took that part, even though when, while we're talking, while we are talking, we still have to talk about the previous parts before him coming to verse 15. But do we understand that passage or the 
part we read. Yeah, sort of. Okay, okay, so okay, so let's 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 go through it. So what do you think Paul is talking about here? What's what can we say is the um what would you say is the summary of what Paul is talking about here? Does anyone wants want to um just um Give their understanding what Paul is um, saying here. It might be a verse and then, but just something. Anyone wants to start or try? Anyone? Okay. Um, it's pretty much saying that um, we are we become like what we serve, and um, I mean it stated that if we um become slave to sin. Mm-hmm then leads to um, death, mm. but we decide to be slave to obedience, that just leads to justice. And that we can't we can't be both. What mm. reminded me of a scripture in Matthew which says that we can't, it's a bit out of context, but it says that we can't serve two masters mm. and that um, we, we will hate one and love the other or um, we will hold on to one and despise the other. Mm. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Shula. Yes. Um, we, there's one profound thing. We, so basically, there's no there's no middle ground. If if we're not subscribing to one. By not subscribing to the other, but I'll I'll, I'll come th- I'll come back to that um, while we go for that. Does anyone else want to say something concerning this as we proceed? Uh, okay. Yes. Good everybody. So, mm-hmm. I see what I picked out um, from the reading is that um, just as when we were in ten we our members were subject to that same thing when we do the world we're subject to the world now that we have come into Christ does 
also bring our members, our flesh, our desires, our personal. So, yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay. It was breaking for a bit, but what I got from what you said, it says when we're in sin, we're obedient to that. But now that we are in Christ, we're meant to also bring our desires, our members to, to present ourselves, basically, to this new... Um, so this new, would I say, this new, um, this new life that we are part of now, the life of righteousness. So the same way we presented our bodies, our bodies, our members to sin, to obey its desires. Now we should no longer do that. We should now channel that into the pathway of righteousness. So I'm guessing that's what. Um, you're saying which is true. Um, well, Solomon, do you have anything you want to share before we go on? No, it's, it's really, really low. Thank you. Can you hear me? Um, okay. Can you hear me now? Yes, yes, yes. No. No. Okay. All right. All right. So. Um. Okay. So let me go on. So he starts off saying, "What then?" He's asking a question. What then? Shall we? Shall we sin because we are under law? We are not under law, but under grace. Certainly not. And he's asking this question from what he said in the previous verses, which I will just read it for sake of context. You know, let me read from verse, um, let me just read from verse seven. So verse seven says, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. It says, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead, indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey it in its lusts, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin, this is now where he makes the statement for which he asks, this, asks the question in verse 15. He says, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, 
but under grace. So you're under a dispensation of grace. And we've talked about grace before. And grace is God's unmerited help or unmerited favor, unmerited support given to us in order to do that which God wants us to do, which is probably to live a holy life, to live a life of holiness, you know, in righteousness. So, and it's not possible to do it without the grace of God. So God gives grace and Bible talks about that grace came through Jesus Christ. So Jesus dying on the cross, you know, him doing that, you know, he has now given us grace to be able to live the life that he also lived, right? So I'm just explaining that. So he now says, you are not under law, but under grace. So sin should not have dominion over you. But what he was saying from verse 7 to 12 or 14 is that, you know, Jesus dying on the cross in the flesh. So Jesus did in the flesh, in the physical, what we are meant to do now in this new life, in the spirit. So the way Jesus died in the flesh and then he rose a new person, right? It's like he, a new body was given to him. Now he's alive unto God. So sin, death has, death could not hold him because he was without sin. He just carried our sins and he died for our sins. So where he says, now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. So because he conquered death, so how we now align ourselves to that, because we have been given the grace of God through Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying here, he who has died has been freed from sin. Because sin should not have dominion over us under this dispensation of grace. Because now we now have access to the power to overcome sin. Because Jesus overcame sin in the flesh. So because he overcame sin in the flesh, when we align to him, we also have access to that which was at work in Christ Jesus that enabled him to overcome sin in the flesh. We now have access to that by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So because we have that access, he's now saying we should no longer allow our members, our body parts, or our, our, our vessels to be instruments of sin. But now that we have the grace and the power to be able to overcome sin, even in the flesh, just as Jesus did, we should also yield. The same way when we were not in Christ, and it was the normal thing to present our bodies, our members, our thoughts, our mind to the things of sin, to the things of the flesh. But now that we have access, we are in Christ. When, when a person comes born again, they are in Christ. They have the door. The, there is now access to more grace, to live above sin. It's only if we use it. It's not saying use the access that you have now, the grace you have in Jesus to be able to what? Live above sin. And he says the way to do that, he says, he who has is to die in the flesh. That's why when we read in verse 
11, he says, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus our Lord. So he now tells us how to do that. And there are key words that he keeps mentioning here. One word that he keeps mentioning is presenting, present. There's a, there's, for, for us to operate in any of this realm, whether it's the realm of sin or it's the realm of righteousness, there's a presenting. We need to present ourselves either to God unto righteousness or to sin unto death. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. Okay. Is it is it clear? Is there anything that is unclear? So that I can um I can explain again. Is there anything that is unclear for anybody or anything I said? Okay. Take that as everything is clear. Okay. So, because of what he said in verse 14, that for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Then he asks the question. This is where we start from. He says, what then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. So, because, again, Human beings, some people might think, see this and think, oh, because we're under grace, okay, let's, let's, we now have freedom. Let's do whatever we want. No, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is what we were subjected to before. We no longer are subjected to it because of what Jesus did and because of the access we have in Jesus or through Jesus Christ. Access to God through Christ Jesus. Because of that access, we should no longer, we should rebel against the, 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 the desires of the flesh, which leads unto unrighteousness, which leads unto death, or sin, unto the death. But now we should channel our desires to what? Our members to righteousness, unto God, or unto God, unto holiness, unto life. So before we were not in Christ, we didn't have the power to do that, even if we wanted to do, but in Christ Jesus, because he conquered it all, even death, we now have the power in him. So he's trying to nullify that thinking in some people that might think, oh, that grace because we're under grace, is licensed to sin. He says, no, certainly not. He now gives a theory. He said, don't you know that to whom you present yourselves to, again, that word, whom you present. And this presenting here is, is a thing of will. Is a thing of will. He says, to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey. You are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So he gives, he gives the two pathways and what they lead to. 
And eventually, he eventually also tells us as we go further down what these two pathways ultimately leads to. One ultimately leads to death. One leads to righteousness, which later reveals that from righteousness, it leads to holiness. And from holiness, it leads to everlasting life. So I was saying one key word, one key phrase is presenting yourself. And I don't know, does, does anybody remember any, does any verse or scripture come, come to mind when you hear that phrase, present yourselves? What scripture comes to mind? Can anybody think of some? Is it coming to anyone's mind? Scripture that is in my mind. Do you know of any other scripture that comes to mind where we are told, present yourselves? Uh, we should present ourselves as a living sacrifice, like our body. Yes, 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 exactly, exactly. And if you see, if you see that, if you read that passage, in fact, let me just quickly go there. It's Romans 12. If you read it, this Romans 6, they both tell us how to do so. So Romans 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that is, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy. See that holy? So, a living sacrifice means something which leads to it being holy, acceptable to God. It says, which is our reasonable service. Then verse 2 tells us, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? So verse 2 here in Romans 12, he tells us an obstacle, a hindrance, something that can hinder us from truly presenting our bodies. And what is that? He says, which is being conformed to the world. When a person is conformed to the world, it's a hindrance. They cannot... They, they will not be able to, even if they, they will not be able to present themselves as a living sacrifice because presenting oneself as a living sacrifice entails, again, that phrase is like a contradiction. It says living sacrifice. A sacrifice is meant to be dead, right? But it now says a living sacrifice, meaning the person will be conscious, is a conscious and deliberate you know, action or uh, let me say action to, to yield themselves onto something, to present, again, to present themselves onto an altar. In this case, this altar is the altar of righteousness. So a living sacrifice, that means the person will be alive, but the person will be dead to something. 
because like um, you know, Sheila, Sheila said, oh, we can't do both, which is very true. There's no middle ground. And that's one thing that, you know, um, that's one thing when I read, when I read this scripture, God was pointing at, which is the cure, right? To be completely free from sin and flesh is to become completely devoted, committed unto righteousness. So basically becoming a slave of righteousness. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Hello? Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so, even in my even even in my own personal, I've seen it. The only way a person can be completely free from sin and flesh is if they are completely focused on righteousness. If they present themselves and their members to righteousness. So basically becoming is because when you're once you're a slave of even in the physical if you if you if a slave has a master, if a slave is a if a person is a slave unto some unto a master, right? It is difficult to be a slave unto another. So in these two in these cases, one cannot be a slave of sin and also be a slave of righteousness. No. Once a person is a slave of sin, again, as that as Romans 6 says, says you know, uh, 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 in the later verses, it says something that when you were says when you were slaves unto sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. That means the person didn't have any obligation to to righteousness. And we 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 we've established the fact that righteousness basically means right standing with God. So righteousness is tied to the will of God, right standing with God, doing what is right before God, being right before God. Hello, I can't hear. He comes born again, right? And their spirit man, because when we've talked about this, when a person becomes born again, they, what happens first is that their spirit, their spirit is transformed. That's the first realm of salvation. And then throughout their lives is their soul that is being saved. Ultim then the third phase is ultimately their bodies will be saved. At the appearing of Jesus, that's when we'll be completely transformed. But right now, we are being saved. So, once a person's spirit is born again, you find out that that person now, if they go back to those things that they used to be free to do before, they struggle. They start having... You know, ah, why am I feeling this way? Why? Do do you get? Do you guys agree? Yeah. 
Do you guys agree? Hello? Yes, you're right. Okay. So, um, that's always the case, right? That's always the case when, when the best, because at that point in time, they've entered, they've become, they've entered a different, uh, 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 a different kingdom. And in that kingdom, that kingdom has its own standards, its own. So if they go, try to now go back to what they used to do before, they struggle. Because now another thing is at work or another spirit is at work, which is the spirit of righteousness. The door has been opened to righteousness. And even though that person is at the beginning stage of their salvation work, even though sometimes they will still, you know, put one leg here, you find out that they will, they will now be a tussle. They will be a tussle within because at that point in time, the person is trying to, he, 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 do he has, he has, he has, he or she has access to the realm of life, to righteousness, to the realm of righteousness, access to the grace that is in Christ Jesus to be able to overcome sin. But because they are still, maybe one leg is still, they are still, you know, uh, 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 the door of sin is still open. There will always be a struggle. There will always be a tussle. Until, until they make the decision to present themselves to be slaves to one of them completely. So, and that is how, how, how is that achieved? Is achieved, you find out that as you, as, 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 as you read, if you see that it is achieved through obedience and is obedience mm -hmm. by presenting our bodies. So for example, let me give, give a, an illustration of when a person obeys size of the flesh. So a person is there and then a thought, it first comes as, you see, it first comes in the realm of suggestion. A suggestion comes, steal. Now stealing is a work of the flesh. It will, that desire or that urge, I'm using this now, using stealing. Let me, let me use stealing as an example. The desire comes to the person to steal. The next thing that will come is instruction. So the person has the person that has the desire, the urge to steal. But now, steal what? That's when instruction now comes. A wisdom now comes. Okay, before the wisdom comes, says that thing now pinpoints, gives a focus, maybe steal this pencil or steal that pen. You see, now there's instruction. And if the person goes forth, maybe let's say there are people there. So he can't just go and take it. People will see him. So because now the person is now obeying that desire and then trying to obey that instruction, that realm too will produce a wisdom that will arm that person to be able to achieve that desire that 
that realm wants that person to achieve or to fulfill. So it produces a wisdom and the wisdom might be, wait, do as if you're sleeping and then move closer and then use your hand to draw the pen under your arms. Do we get? I'm trying to make it as very simple as possible. Yeah, right. Yes. So you see, all these things, by this, the person is obeying every leading, every leading until he commits that act. But you see, that all that thing will have never been possible if the person refused to present their bodies to that desire. Maybe Millie had that desire. He says, again, again, this is why the first entrance to life is when a person is born again. That's why Jesus says, except a man be born again, he cannot see. See there is, he can never be aware of the realm of life, of the kingdom of God. Right? And then he goes forward. Remember, I said, I say to you again, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter. And we talked about water and spirit, water representing the word and the spirit. So being yielded, obedience to the word and by the spirit that's what makes a person enter into the kingdom is the same principle so because the person now has that access right he or she has access to what is in the mind of god or what is the righteousness of god so because of that i said the person now understands that ah no to God, stealing is wrong. You understand? So with that, this thing, he what? He, instead of presenting he, uh, him or herself unto that desire, he presents or she presents herself unto that which is righteous, unto righteousness. So they will not fulfill the desire of the flesh. That's why Paul always says, he that sows into the spirit, um, if you sow into the spirit, you will not, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So that whole process that I explained, if we now flip, flip it, right? And let's just say that's a righteous desire. Because like I said, it always comes, it, it, it first comes in the realm of suggestion. And then the person has to believe it and listen to that suggestion. And then if they listen and meditate, it begins to enlarge, it begins to enlarge, and then it turns into an instruction. And then obedience. So that person who was in sin before, now probably gave their life to Christ, that now becomes a struggle. But the person can only be successful in righteousness to the degree that they yield themselves or present themselves unto righteousness. If they keep going to present themselves unto unrighteousness, unto the things of the flesh, slowly, slowly, that um, door that they opened unto uh, 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 righteousness, slowly, slowly, it's like it's going to be closing. And then you find out, that's why you see, they find out, you find out that somebody, even though they give their life to Christ at one point, at some point, they just immediately went back because they did not um, continue 
they did not continue in the work of faith. You know, we've talked about that faith, you can't separate faith and obedience. Because even for the person to, it takes faith to actually, you know, even in the, in the side of unrighteousness, like that example I explained, They believed, they saw that the, that pen was theirs and they, 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 they received a word from somewhere and they believed and they acted on it. Of course, that's unrighteousness. But in the side of righteousness, suggestion, instruction, and then they act on it and then becomes an act of righteousness. So, before I go back to Romans 6, Romans 12, after saying, present your bodies as a living, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. Like, now that you are in Christ, the most reasonable thing to do for what Christ has done for us is to what? Present our bodies unto him. But it says holy acceptable to God. So holy, which means set apart unto him, which we have talked about, but we'll talk about. But the hindrance, like he says in Romans 12, 2, is being conformed to the world. But he gives the cure. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this renewing of the mind is a continuous thing, is a continuous thing. And this renewing of the mind, it helps one that, it helps one, it says, so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Because once we know the will of God, we know what is in the mind of God. And once we know what is in the mind of God, we know what is right before God. That means we can know the righteousness of God and then we can act on it. But when we don't know it, we can never act on it. But what helps a, a believer to continue to know is that they what? be transformed continually by the ring of their mind and they do not conform, they do not give themselves to the patterns, to the nature, to the, to the, to the, uh, 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 to the ways of the world. Because again, that way, like we've talked about, is, 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 is the way of unrighteousness and it, it corrupts, it hinders. It prevents a person from presenting themselves because whenever a person is conformed to the world, it means they've also, they've presented parts of themselves. So they cannot even be holy unto God because being holy is being completely set apart. To be set apart is to give yourself, again, presenting yourself. So once we present ourselves is the beginning of holiness because as we do that, it is in that place that we're able to have renewed minds in his presence, through his word, through his instructions. As we follow him, we continue to grow in him. We grow in discernment, we grow in his, his nature, we grow in his ways. And then we also begin to know, we, we are able to know, we're able to become one with him. Our hearts are aligned. We're able to know what is in the mind of God per time. 
and then we're able to what? It says you may be able to prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And when we do this, is righteousness. And when we continue in it, it leads to holiness. And when we continue a life of holiness, it ultimately leads to eternal life, everlasting life. Because somewhere in Hebrews 12, it says, pursue peace and holiness for without which no man can see God, which is talking about holiness. No man can ever see God except holiness because it's holiness that helps one to be focused on God, to be set apart on God. That's why everything in heaven is holy because everything is unto God. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Yes, yes. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Okay. I don't know this mic. Okay. So, um, so 16, I'm, I'm back to Romans 6. 16 says, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves, okay, slaves to obey, you are the, that one slave to whom you obey. So obedience is the gateway to, um, to each of these realms. Either the one of sin unto death or the one of you know, righteousness unto holiness or obedience unto righteousness. And presenting ourselves is the beginning of obedience is what leads to obedience. If you don't, if I don't, if one doesn't present himself to obedience, to righteousness, cannot produce or to obedience, he cannot produce righteousness. And if one does not present himself to sin, if he rebels against sin, automatically the person is taking a stand for what is right. So if one does one, he automatically is free from the other. If he engages in the other one is automatically free from the other one. So there's no middle ground. But 17 says, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. It's now saying how believers come into righteousness. So it says, though we were slaves of sin, thank God that even though, even in that time, you see, it's not like we came out from sin, right? Not like we came out from sin and then we're not saying, oh, righteousness, I'm ready, I'm ready to follow you. No, because there's no middle ground. So it says, while we were still in slaves of sin, yeah, at some point we rebelled against sin. And we obeyed the word that we heard from the heart. You know, even when a person, uh, uh, you know, scripture says, um, if, 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 if you confess with your mouth, right? You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that you shall be saved. That's a word. And if somebody hears that and believes it, and acts on it, that's obedience because they've obeyed the word that they heard. That's a word according to the doctrine of salvation. So if they believe it 
and they walk in it, they enter. So he's saying, though we were slaves of sin, even in that state, we rebelled against sin at one point in time and heard the word of righteousness, right? The word of salvation. And then we yielded in our hearts and accepted God. And that opened the door to righteousness. That opened the door to, to us having grace and access or access to grace through Christ Jesus, through faith in Christ Jesus, to be to have the arsenal, to have the, the weapons that we need if we choose to use them to be able to rise above sin, to have victory over sin and over Satan and over flesh and even over the world. And it is through that obedience, right, that we're delivered. And it is through that continuous movement in that direction, through that obedience, that we will continue to be delivered. And it says, having been set free from sin. So if the person continues, they will be set free from sin. It's a point a person comes to, right? They cannot sin. Is actually possible. They, because they at that point, but that is only possible if they now become slaves of righteousness. And to be a slave of righteousness is the person has decided to, um, how do I put it? The person has decided that the life they now live is no longer for them, it's for God. So at this point, they've been set apart unto God and unto his purpose. So their desires, their will, their everything comes from God. They are not trying to achieve their own ambitions again. Because any other ambition, any other way, apart from the way that God wants us to go, will always bring us to the pathway of flesh. So as we, he says, as he's saying that as you continued in this, you, are, you have been set free from sin and you became slaves of righteousness. I know some people don't like that word, slave, but that's the actual word because um, I have this understanding that for one to be truly something, they have to be bound by it. One cannot gain mastery in something, or cannot be, or cannot be full of something, except they be given to that thing, meaning except they be slave to that thing. Do we? Do we? Do we? Do we agree or do we get? Yeah, I get it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, because for me, for. For, for a person to be filled with something, that means they have to be empty so that that thing can completely food, fill them. So, being a slave, and why, why it uses that word slave? I want to tie it to the word yoke. 
So a slave is bound by something, by his master's yoke. And I have this understanding that um, nobody is without a yoke. Nobody is without a yoke. Is that a person is with the yoke of sin leading unto death or with the yoke of Jesus leading unto life? So even when Jesus said, remember when Jesus said, come unto me, right? All ye that are, um, how did he put it? Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, isn't it? The next thing he says, says, take my yoke. Do we know where that scripture is? I think it's, I'm not sure, I can't remember where it is. Can somebody help me look for it? Somebody can help me look for it. I think it's somewhere in my, I'm not sure. You say what? Matthew 28. 11. 28, 11? Yes. Oh, I mean, Matthew 28, 11. I don't see it. Is it Matthew 11.28? Is Matthew 11.28? Is Matthew 11.28? So, so it's the other way around. So Matthew 11, verse 28 says, this is Jesus, he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. What's that? Does somebody see something I'm seeing here? Do you see what I'm seeing here? It says those who what? Labor. And how and are what? Heavy laden. So he heavy laden by what? Say you. Is a yoke, right? Exactly. So he's actually calling slaves, right? And he says, I will give you rest. But in the next verse now says, what does he say? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So basically what Jesus is calling is saying here is you who are yoked with this heavy body, come, let me give, let me take this yoke off you. Let me give you my own yoke. My yoke is the one that will lead to rest of your souls. Do you want, do, do we see that? Do we see that? Hello. Can you guys hear me? Yes. No one is okay. Okay. 
But is it clear? I hope no one is. Uh, hope it's not. Uh, Let me pause here. I hope it's not confusing in any way or it's not for anybody. Okay. No, it's not. It's not confusing. Okay. Okay, so basically Jesus is calling for an exchange of yoke. So, saving us from slavery into to become his own slave. But again, being a slave of God leads to life. He is not a taskmaster. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I just wanted to read that to show us the part of um, just to buttress that point of why Paul, I believe Paul will be using the word slave because that's what it actually is. So 19, it says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, but just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness, and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. And we know that lawless sin is lawlessness. Lawlessness is sin. So now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free. Like I mentioned before, you were free in regard to righteousness. 21 says, what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? So you realize that even a person that was in Christ, sorry, that was a slave of sin, living a life of sin, when he comes into Christ, you realize that he now becomes ashamed of the things that he used to do before. Those things that he or she used to glory in, used to have pleasure in, used to do boldly without, you know, any shame. Now that they're in Christ, they see they are ashamed to even see that, to even think of, ah, so at one point in time, I used to do this. I'm even ashamed to say it. Right? The same way those in the world, right? They are ashamed of being tagged righteous or doing anything that has to do with righteousness. Is that... Is that true? Do you agree? Yes. Yes, those you know that those in the world, they like for somebody who is still in the world, he's ashamed of righteous things. You understand? Well, let's say for example, maybe he sang in in maybe I'm just saying he sang in church. When his friends see they see him and say, Ah, Pastor, he's he's ashamed, he doesn't want or brother, he doesn't want, so he's ashamed because again, he's not yet completely in righteousness. He or she is not yet completely in righteousness. So what fruit did you have then in these things of which you are now ashamed? He now says for the end of those things is death. 
the end of that is death. And you know, the death that he's talking about here is separation. Separation from God. Separation from God completely, right? Separation from the life of God But now, 22, having been set free from sin and having, been, and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness. So the fruit of being, of presenting ourselves to righteousness, that we may become slaves of righteousness, the fruit of it is that we achieve holiness. So somebody asks, basically, somebody asks, how does one become holy? Pursue righteousness, seek it, do it. How does one pursue righteousness? Seek what is right before God. How does one know what is right before God? You have the you have the word, you have the Bible to tell you at least, give you experiences of people's work with God. From there, as you begin to follow God and desire Him, He begins to reveal Himself to you. And then you know. Gradually, the person begins to know what is right from wrong. And as they know, and as they practice what is right they grow in righteousness they do what is right they are doing righteousness and as they grow in it and continue in it and become slaves to it they achieve holiness being set apart unto god completely for him and his purposes and he says the end of it he says and the end everlasting life right this scripture is the same thing when Bible says, this is eternal life that we may know God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. That know there is intimate spirit, one spirit with him intimately like a, like a husband knows his wife and they give birth and she gives birth. So also in spirit, we are meant to know God and give birth to the fruit of the spirit. So we are meant to know God and Jesus Christ so intimately that personal relationship. So when we know him, when we focus, as, uh, when we commit ourselves to him and, and, and present our bodies to him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, it's in that place we achieve holiness. And then if we continue in holiness, he says, without holiness, we can't see God. So when we achieve holiness. Again, holiness is what also helps. It's in that realm, it's in that place that purity is achieved. Because when a person is all focused on God, there's no harm that in his presence, right? In that whole ecosystem, the person will not achieve purity. So God uses holiness to achieve purity. I remember when scripture says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. This is the same thing. It says, pursue peace and holiness for without which no one will see God. So it's the same thing. Does that make sense? Make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Okay. Okay. So the end of it, everlasting life. 23, for the wages of sin is death. That which is the end, the, 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 the due, the due, uh, uh, salary for sin is death. He says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So, but we've now seen how to 
get to position ourselves to 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 receive this gift of God in Christ Jesus, which is eternal life. It is hidden in Christ Jesus. And the only way we can get is when we are now committed, when we are, when we become what slaves of righteousness, we become devoted. We now know Jesus intimately. We yield to him. Because eternal life is hidden in him. So the only way we can have access to eternal life is when we are in him, we abide in him. And he shows us how to, again, we can, link, we can link many scriptures to this. Jesus tells us how to abide in him in John 15, where he says, abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandment and I abide in his love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. So again, coming down to that thing of presenting ourselves to him in obedience. So, but in all of this, one thing that I said that I was saying that um, was the summary of everything that when I read this is that the safest place for any believer is in the will of God. And that's one. And then the, the cure complete cure to, a, to being to a life of sin is being a slave unto righteousness. Because being a slave unto righteousness, a slave is bound, is bound by his master. So even that which you find out, even in physical, a slave cannot do what they want to do except their master, right? Gives them permission to do that. Do you see the concept of being a slave? So being a slave unto righteousness is actually for our good. It, it frees us completely from you, from having anything to do with sin. So those were the two things that, um, that this scripture came to, the summary summarization of the whole this of this passage one i say that again one is the first place for a believer is in the will of god and then what gives complete freedom to sin or to being a slave of sin is to become a slave of righteousness so yeah um i'll i'll stop here and um, I'll just let anyone that wants to say something, to say something. But I hope I was, and I moved from here to there to there, but I don't know if, I hope I was able to um, hit the nail on the head concerning the passage. If it was clear to everyone, everything I said. It was. Okay, okay. Do we have any other thing you want to say? Please feel free. While I was speaking, anything or question or anything at all, please. The floor is open.
anything God put in your heart while I was speaking. It's good to share. Even if I said it, it might be something I didn't say this the way that you know God might have laid it in your heart. So please can I ask can I ask you a question, please? Oh please go on. Does God I want to ask, I don't know if this um does God understand if you like if you give your life to Christ and then mm-hmm. certain things you and they they don't just like stop overnight. So let's say somebody that is a smoker or mm-hmm. Uh, somebody that used to fornicate or somebody mm-hmm. that used to steal. You know, things like that. At some point mm-hmm. you see, let's say you've done, you've gone, you've gotten to like, with the way things work normally, you like a child would have to learn how to crawl before they mm-hmm. walk, like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that also applies to like, I don't know, I'm, I don't know if it makes sense. Like, does that also yes. apply? Like if you have been doing certain things, you, have, you, have, you struggle with them and then mm-hmm you now give your life to Christ and then you want to stop doing those things and then, but you mm. find yourself things at some point because of that, the flesh, right? Mm. So does God, like, because I know that the devil will still accuse you, like, as the accuser of brethren. So, but does God understand that you have to still go through that process before you not really die to self, before you not become a believer? Like, you just, you was mentioning something that, Someone that is just uh, like is just getting to know God, and if they call mm. her pastor, we still try to reject it. You that are seeing God, this one you still you still try to reject it. But does God understand that you have to go through like a certain person, and then when you fall, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if you get my question. I get your question. Yes, I get your question. Okay. So, um, first of all. The question of if God understands, of course, God understands everything. He has all knowledge. He's the one that created that principle of, you know, the principle you mentioned, right? A child from um, crawling, right? To standing, walking before they run, isn't it? That's what you're talking about, right? That whole process Yes, yeah, yes. that's yes, of stages. Yes, he created that process. And you find out that even in the physical, physical things are also preaching these things. Right? But if you there's something that okay, let's use that example you 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 brought up. Let's use it as as let's use that illustration as an example. If you study a child, right? If you study a child going through mm-hmm. that process of yes. first of all. Now, if you see that child, first of all, the only thing they could do, right, was to lie down. Right. And then at some point, you saw them, they were trying to just be able to stand up, at least be able to lie down face, you understand, face down. Yes. To get themselves, yes. Up. Yes. And then at some point, you see them, they are trying to get up, at least to be on their knees before they even start crawling. Right, mm-hmm. you see them sometimes. Yeah. You just watch them. You see them trying to do that struggle. They are trying to do it. So you see that they continue in it, and as they continue, you see their bones get stronger, even as they eat as well. Yes, yes. Hey, take note of those little little things. They eat as they grow. Right, their bones become stronger, and at some point, their knees are now able to. The bones in their knees are able to support them. Right. 
and then yeah. you find out they are able to be in that position and then mm-hmm. they now start taking this is still crawling you know they now start taking you know some steps forward with their knees and they are moving they might fall but you see then they will get up again you understand mm-hmm. they tried that today mm-hmm. all this why they are still eating yes you understand they're still eating yeah. They are tomorrow again. They try. They fall down. They answer some time. You now see them. They are crawling and crawling comfortably. Do you understand? And then yeah. they look. They see you as an adult standing. And then next thing you see them, they are trying to reach something to the table. And then they put their hand. And then they try to stand. They fall the first time. But you see, they what? They continue. Yes. They continue. And then that's how it is. They are able to stand from standing. As they're mm-hmm. standing, they are holding the table and they are moving. Yeah. Yes. As they are doing those movements, their legs are getting, what they are doing is they are exercising their legs and yes. their bones are getting stronger. The more they do it, one day you just see them, they will, they will move their hands. You tell them, oh, yeah, come. They will leave, move their hands from the table, right, or the chair, and then run to you. Yes. They are able to walk. But one thing, should, one thing we should learn from that is they continued in the way. Hmm, 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 hmm. Yes. They continued yeah. in the way. You as a parent, you are watching them, you understand. You are not saying, you know that that is the stage. You know at that stage as a baby, right? Yes. They are allowed to do all those things. Yes. If they're still doing that thing at the age of 12, then there's a problem. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. You can see that is a problem, right? <laughs> at that point in time, mm-hmm. you might have to... <laughs> it's either we conclude that it's like this person is cannot work again. Or, do you see it? Or mm-hmm. we have to use some extreme measures. Right. Maybe to force the person. If the person refuses, then we will leave the person. Are you seeing this? Are you yeah. seeing this? Yeah. yeah. So God is able to, God knows each person. God knows when a person is truly struggling, but they are not giving up. They are trying. They are seeking God. They are still eating the war, right? Every mm-hmm. opportunity they have to walk in righteousness, though it's not easy, they, not by their own strength, but they say, God, help me. I desire to do this. He knows each person's heart. That's one thing we should do. You always understand God is able to He knows the reins of the heart. Nothing is hidden from Him. Do you understand? Yeah. So He knows when a person is pretending. He knows exactly. when a person He has given a person grace. <laughs> In fact, I don't know if I should share this here, but let me share. This. Hmm? So I'll quickly share this. Please, please go ahead. So there's a time, right? I was struggling with something in the past hmm? with an addiction yeah. uh-huh. and then all those times i would hey i would i knew it was you understand and i come to a point where i don't want to do this thing again but you yes. know you see at that point in time because the spirit is involved my will is insufficient at that point mm. until a spirit also gets involved in this case the spirit of god yes that's why you see when a person 
again in the principle of you know i told you spirits on you know we studied this thing before spirits understand consistency if you remember mm. when i used to yes. say yes. spirits yes. only understand consistency yes. because when you're consistent in something is a call to the spirit of that thing so if you're consistent if a person is consistent in sin at some point in time right a spirit the spirit of that particular sin right who come yes. and age aid that person so you find out that the person will be doing that thing with 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 immense grace, mm. evil. <laughs> Do you understand? Yes. As I see, even those who steal, when they started, they were you know they was see maybe they've done it for ten years. They now become masters. They gain mastery. It's because at that point, a spirit has now. So even if at that point, even they say, ah, I don't want to do this thing again, you find out that they will not be able to. Is it not true? They won't be able to stop it by their own will. Of course, of course. Yes, because now, so it will take, it will take the involvement of a greater spirit to break that thing. Right? And depending on how long it was, it will also take consistency in the opposite direction to break the hold of the other day. Does that make sense? 100%, percent yes. Yes. So consistency. So God knows when the person, so, okay, going back to my, so I was doing this, right? But I continued in God. I continued. I continued. Hmm. You understand? Continue to feed myself. Continue to grow, enlarge. Because let me tell you, the only thing that will make a person, let me tell you one thing that will cause a person not to sin, eh? Mm -hmm. Is love. Huh. Huh. Wow. Is love. Huh. No one says the, the love of Christ compels us. That's why this particular slavery in righteousness, right? It says, mm -hmm. present yourself as a living sacrifice. Yes, yes. It's telling you to, this slavery is willingly. It's telling you, give yourself willingly. Not, it's not forced. Do you understand? Okay, let me even give you another, let me give you a physical example. Do you know, the only thing that will stop, huh? A man or a woman from cheating their cheating on their spouse, the surest mm -hmm. foundation is love. Mm, that's true. That's true. It's not, it's not because they are married. Of course, yes, you're right. Do you understand? Is because it's not every time the husband, do you understand? The man is with the woman. She can be, you understand, or he can be eating assorted meat and clean mouth. <laughs> Nobody will know. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Do you understand? Nothing stops. But what happens when that person is in one place and their spouse is not there? Let me even go further. Is love towards God that will keep a person from being, that will keep a person faithful to their spouse? Do you know that? 
course, commitment of to God. Not uh -huh. even commitment to that person. It's God. Yeah, the fear of God too. Yeah. It's the fear of God and the love of God. You remember the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife? Huh? When she wanted to sleep with him, go and read what he said. He didn't say, oh, hey, my master's wife. Mm -mm. He said, how can I commit this great sin against my God? You know why? Because nothing is hidden before God. Do you understand? So if a person is faithful to God, they will be mm -hmm. faithful to their spouse. Their spouse, yes. Yes, because God is everywhere. First of all, it is God that we are ultimately married to. Yes. You understand? That's the first thing. Second thing is, God is the God that sees all things, both in darkness, in secret. Do you understand? So nothing is hidden from him. Hidden from him, yes. He understood that, that even if I do this thing in the dark, God sees me. <laughs> hmm. So how can I do this thing? He knew that ultimately, though Potiphar was not around, <laughs> that could, you know, for some people, that can be an excuse. Well, Potiphar, no day. It's not around. So... <laughs> <laughs> Imagine how pretty that woman would have been, like a king's yeah. wife. You understand? Uh -huh. <laughs> so you find out that even commitment to the other person is not strong enough. What if what if the what if is the day that that person misbehaves? You understand? What if is the day that the spouse yeah. yes. misbehaves? That means the mm -hmm. person's foundation in which their love is is rooted in is destroyed. Mm. Mm. So they will yeah. definitely cheat. Yes, of course. Yes, but once once it is rooted in God, that is the surest foundation because God never fails. Fails. True. Yes. God never fails. He's all powerful. <laughs> he's all knowing. He sees all things. Most of all, he's, he's, he's righteous. So yes. anything that's rooted in him too will also follow suit. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. yes. Also be righteous. Also he's holy. So <laughs> anyone that's rooted in him will also be holy. So the, so the goal is to be rooted in God. Once you are rooted in God, a man trusts, the only person you can trust is the man that is truly following Jesus. That is committed to Jesus. That's why Paul says, follow me as I follow Jesus. Meaning, any day I stop following Jesus, don't ever follow me. Do you understand? Because you understood that it is Christ in him that enables him to do what so sorry let me I, sorry i'm deviating but so i was doing i continued in this right after a while ah i will fall and then he got to a point where it's like i knew that god had given grace you understand because i didn't feel the urge to do, it wasn't so strong. You understand? You come to a point where you can, God gives you grace. You can, even though it's hard, you can say no and you will not yes. do it. Yes. yes. 
if you fight, you have to fight. You cannot, you cannot achieve victory without a battle. So, but at that point, at first, you will try to fight, but you will not be able, to, the person will not be able to do it. You understand? They are still mm-hmm. trying. But there will come a point that God gives grace that if you fight, you will win. It's only if you do not fight, you will lose. If you do not engage in battle, you will lose. But if you if you just have faith and say, no, I resist you, and run to God, you win. And the more you do that, God gives more grace. The more a person, you understand, continues yes. that way, he gives grace. Uh-huh. So he will increase, he increase to the point where you can easily just say no. And that thing will disappear. To the point... Again, where that thing will no longer be coming near you. You understand? You understand? Because now you have yes, yes. That which is in you is not just in you anymore. It has created a force field outside of you. So, and I came to that point where I knew that God has given grace. But do you know what I was still doing? Eh? Mm-hmm. I was still flirting <laughs> with with that sin. Uh-huh. You understand? So yes. flirting with it is I would I will I will be playing with I'll be you know playing with it to see how far then I will stop. Do you understand? Uh-huh. Hey, one day <laughs> I don't even want to share that. <laughs> Ah, one day, hmm? uh-huh. God did something. I might not say it, yet, but God did something, eh? That put a uh-huh. fear in me. Uh-huh. Cause the fear that is. So let me just say it. Hmm? So after flirting with that in one day, hmm? Yeah. I now dozed off. As I dozed off, eh? I try, <laughs> I tried to wake, but I couldn't. Did you hear that? Like you tried to wake up and you couldn't wake up. So I was waking up, I was seeing my body, but it was not my body that was getting up. Mm. You understand? Do you understand? Yes, yes. It was not my body. Ah, I will get up, but I could see my body was still there. Ah, and I wanted to. <laughs> and I wanted to shout, Jesus! Something told me, keep quiet. And then, I don't know what made me, and I switched to. Oh Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. You know, I had mercy. I woke up. You see, from that day, eh? <laughs> nobody told me to, to, to relinquish iniquity. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Do you understand? Now, God did that, you understand? Because at that point in time, yes, I was choosing deliberately to 
lure myself into sin. Mm. Do you understand? And again, it was his mercy that day. Right? Because I don't know whatever told me to switch from shouting Jesus that I, I was told to keep quiet to switching to have mercy, have mercy. It's when I said have mercy, have mercy. That's when I was able to rise. Do you understand? So, my point of saying is that God knows, God knows, God knows. Do you understand? That's why, that's why uh, Paul said in verse 15, shall we continue in sin because we're in grace? He says, certainly not. Do you understand? The grace that we have access to Jesus is to be able, is to have access to, is to channel it to rebel against the flesh. You understand? So going forward from that day, eh, when that thing came around, I would fix my gaze on Jesus and say, Lord, give me grace, help. Then I will resist it. And the more I did, the more strength and power hmm, was given. Until the point that that thing lost completely. You understand? He lost his soul. So to just answer your question, God understand God knows all things he knows all things you know you know two people we cannot not the de- no two entities we cannot deceive ourselves and God deep down deep down I know when okay this part hmm, this part God has actually helped me you understand it's for us and again I will also say this that God knows that these things, we cannot do it on our own. Do you understand? Yeah. Cannot do it yeah. on our own. Yes. So he gives grace. That's why I always go back to that scripture where it says, we do not have a high priest who is not, basically, who does not understand our weaknesses. But because he too came as flesh, he lived as flesh, and he understands temptations. He understands this. But he conquered so we look at him, knowing that in him too we shall conquer. We have the power to conquer. So therefore, he says, come boldly. The fact that he says, come boldly, is already grace. Thrones are for judgment. But this throne, he says, come boldly, that you may obtain mercy and then find grace in times of need. So Paul is telling us here, if you continue to present yourselves, right, unto righteousness, right? One day you will be freed from the, completely free from the hold of sin. If your goal is to become a slave unto righteousness, that's what ultimately breaks the hold of sin completely from a person, when they become slaves unto righteousness. Do you know the reason why Jesus could not sin? Apart from the Father, Son of God, who can, can we, can we guess why? Our Lord Jesus, even in the, in the flesh, he also could not sin. 
Arduino. Anyone? The Holy Spirit or what? Yes, it's the Holy Spirit, but there's something. I'm... Why? No, Bible says that he was tempted in all things, but he did not sin. So it's not like he did not go through temptation, isn't it? If you think about the temptation of Jesus, right? When Satan came to tempt him, Satan presented things to him. But where was his devotion? Where was his commitment? You say what? I can't hear you. It's, it's still a bit low. Okay. What about uh -huh. now? Uh -huh. Apart from the fact that he, he is being, he being the word, he being God incarnate. Yes. What he did in the flesh was just um, an example of the uh, that's one. Then knowing fully, having grounded in the knowledge of who God is. Let me use myself as an example. There are some things that, by His grace, because of the experience I've had with Him, because of the experiences I've had with Him, you know, personal experiences, there are some things I can't do. I've said, I can't do this because of Jesus. It's like a slap in his face. Even though the temptation is very strong. Mm. Do you understand? Mm. I've experienced him. He has, so imagine the Lord Jesus Christ who has been with the Father for eons. You know, for coming down. The love compels him. The knowledge of who God is. And the love for God, that is God the Father, we do make him do that. Looking at him from the point of a human when he was blessed. Because, like I said, I couldn't answer, I couldn't have answered this question without my experience. There are some places I want to go, there are some things I want to try. But I would like, how would Jesus feel? It would seem Satan would like mock him if I do this. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't about me. Nobody will say anything. Nobody will see me. It's not mm -hmm. that. I can't do that. And I said, I'm sorry. But you know, from my heart now, I'm not doing it because I'm not compelled to pressure to do so. I like, for Jesus' sake, I'll now, do you understand? For what he has done, I can't do this to him. So that's just what I just have to say. So there's an experience that the Lord has had father over time has been an example of his love compelled him not to fall for such things. And again, I want to say to anyone that's, that everyone on the course is that it would be hard to follow Jesus if you don't even know him personally. And I mean personally, experientially. It's not what the pastor told you. 
it's not what you know. If you don't experience Jesus, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, um, your love for him will not be strong. You understand? And look what he has done for me while I was a sinner. The one I was saved, this is what and what he has done. I've seen his hands, I've seen his work. So offending him, it's hard. Get you, you, you until you get to that point of experience, experiencing him, love might not be that. So I believe he had experience with the father. He knows things. So that's why he because he knew that those things are just the best. You understand? They are just the best. And why I said knowledge again is that, let me give an example again. Most of the times, people don't know. People that indulge in prostitutes don't know the gravity of what they are doing. But if they are enlightened, on the damage that that which they are so, it's like you are hugging a ton. What we call you are hugging a ton. When you hug strange women, it's like you are hugging a ton. But the physical man doesn't see that. But if your eyes are spiritual, you notice that doing that is like you are piercing your soul, your liver, your lungs, your stomach with spikes. Mm. At the same time, when you're not seeing that physically, but that's what spiritual meditation is. If you know that, I know it will strain you from this. Knowing fully well that the pleasure for that one minute can cost you 10 years, 20 years of working. But in fact, like you said, you are sleeping and like you kidding. I almost, I almost you understand. And so, that's how you just find yourself inside. <laughs> yeah, if you find, if you read the book of um, Proverbs, is it Proverbs? Yeah, where he's talking about the simple. The foolish guy that was deceived, the woman was standing. I think there's one, I, I mm. can't remember the verse. Uh, mm. that she lured, she lured him. Don't worry, my husband is not around. He's yes. so the scripture now said he doesn't know that her house is the gateway to hell. And you know, that just the death. While he was when we were young, when we were young in the uh, children youth church, they actually they that teaching. I can see in the Bible they, they drew death, you understand, with this is weapon behind the guy. So that was the illustration for the youth church, how they depict that particular Bible passage. There's a lot of teachings in children's church. That was one of them when I remember a youth church many, many years ago. So the, it was only now weapon to strike. So knowing that image is still in my head. Apart from the scriptures, that particular image, as if if you do this thing, death by strike. Are you getting knowing, knowing consequences, knowing um, how much relationship you build with God, knowing fully well that just that small thing can make you lose it. You know, start working against that fasting to get yourself back. It's not what so you just like. Mm. You understand? So yeah. knowing. Knowing consequences and knowing how God will feel bad, do that. Even in human, um, in human, if you really love somebody, I've me have experienced it. Mm-hmm. The person is not in town. 
But I will have to be back home. I've told you this thing now. I have to go back home. By but I don't want the person to call and now ask, where are mm-hmm. you? You are still outside. I, I don't know if you guys are getting it. And I don't want to lie because I promise not to lie ever. So in order to avoid lying, I just have to start going. And no abuse, most of the time, military just get to the house. They come, they come in like two minutes after. Or when I'm close to the house, go, go. Yeah, are you, back? are you in the house now? Yes, I'm in the street. You know that kind of, just mm. not, to, not, not to offend the person. Mm. So I have to, this is the person, not God. Mm-hmm. I don't want us to fight. I don't want us to have trouble, whatever, you know. So if love is good, is complete. I think that restriction, that restriction will come. The knowledge mm-hmm. of God, beginning to know Him, not for fear. You know, for me, I believe loving God is better than fearing. Yeah, loving fear is better fear than is fear. There. It is yeah, love is that there. will keep you. But love that will keep you. Mm-hmm. Loving, is, it's like loving makes it. You see, loving makes you have the freedom to do what you do. But hearing makes you like you are in this corner as if you are bound. You know, like if it's a cage kind of but But if it's love, you do things from compo- not being compulsed to do those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but we know in Christ Jesus, in, when we say love for God, we also have it fear. The Lord is fearful. Who can do all things? Why did the fear side come from? Why did the fear side come from that? Mercy is unpredictable. Yeah, mercy is unpredictable. The Lord said, He will show mercy to whom He will show mercy. You get. So, So if you know that, yeah, if you know that mercy is unpredictable, then that fear will now keep you checked. Man, go do this. Mercy may not be available. I don't know. You understand? It may not be available this month or today. So that's yeah, the love. But for me, I want to preach about the love of Christ. Because I noticed one thing, uh, brethren, that there was a time I was doing research, preaching about hell. People that came back, you know, hell, hell, hell. It actually wasn't working salvation. People would be sober for three days. So up for one week, and they forget. That's right. They forget, and they will just go back to their old ways, unconscious. But if love is actually built in their heart, then this restraint I'm talking about will come. Mm. I hope we can understand what I was saying. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Solomon. Did we hear? Did you hear him? Yes, I heard him. Okay, and that's why you see, whenever God start brings some, when somebody comes into Christ, the first thing God begins to do, apart from coaching the person of, um their past life, renewing their mind, first thing he introduces them to is his love. He tries different things 
at that beginning period, it looks like all your, <laughs> it looks like all your prayers will just be answered. He's trying to, he's trying to establish um, something in our hearts, love, because it's love that will bring true obedience. Honestly, it's love that will bring true obedience. You know, um, yeah. From a place of love. The fear of God keeps us from evil, makes us, keeps us in check. Was the love of God that keeps you rooted in God, like I said earlier. The only reason that even somebody will not cheat against, cheat in their marriage relationship is because of love. And not just love for their spouse, it's love towards God. Many people don't know this. But it's love towards the Lord. How can I do this thing against my God? Like, like Solomon said, ah, the times you want to do things, ah, no, how would the Lord feel? Ah, no, 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 Kai. No. So you, you, what you crucify your flesh, you deny yourself, isn't it? For your God, for your master, for your love, for your Lord, for the lover of your soul. You know why? Do we know why? Because he did it for you first. Yes. Right, right, right. He gave his life. He he, he didn't have to. (laughs) He denied himself. While he was here now, he had the opportunity to live large, right? To be the greatest on earth. But he didn't become the greatest until he was glorified. And not on the earth. Do you understand? So he denied, actually denied himself here. Many things. Even though he was God and those things will not have an effect, will not have effect on him. Though he denied himself. Left part of his deity to come down to this earth. Was not born in a palace. Went through so many things, even, you know, to the point of death, obedience to God because of us. So, you know, I always say God never tells you and I to do anything that he himself hasn't done first. So if God is telling us to be slaves unto righteousness, it is because he too was that when he was in the flesh. Because he is ultimately committed to righteousness. So he calls us to that as well. Remember, Sheila, you said at the beginning that something you said, this way you put it, you said um, that whoever you give yourself to, you become like, isn't it? So God is righteous, God is holy. And he calls us to become like him. And as we give ourselves to him, 
continually our members, our heart in deep, you know, intimacy, commitment through different means that he has given us. Again, through scripture, prayer, intimacy, sometimes fast, you know, all these things is because you are trying to attain height. You are trying to gain height, ascendance to God in the spirit. As you do this, you, he enlarges you, he enlarges you. And the reason why he's enlarging you is so that he can feel more, feel you more and more. And the more you, the more you are filled with him, the less you be of sin, the less you be of flesh. So many ways, sometimes God will comfort him. So when he says, present yourself as a living sacrifice, what that, let me tell you practically, what that might entail. So the areas of our lives that God now comes and says, this area of your life is hindering you from, give it to me. You're like, ah, no, God, I can't do without this. So, hey, he says, give it. That's the only way. So we now what? Because, again, because of love. Lord, I love you and I want to be closer to you. Then we let it go. It can be an area that we are so is like part of us. And then we deny ourselves there for him. And all this is between you and him. Do you understand? There are different consecrations that God has, you know, given me that, you know, I have to continually keep to be able to, you know, house him. And as you go further, you give more so that you can house more of him. Does that make sense? Yes. And as, yes, and at first, these things are not easy. But as you do it, oh, you enter, I tell you the truth, you enter a realm of joy that and love that this world can, nothing in this world can give. Do you know that's what brings a person to the point that, why do, why do you think some people can give their life for God? Or some people actually give their life for God? Nobody just comes to that point automatically like overnight there's something that they know about god isn't it there's something that they know about god that will cause them to do that isn't it yep yes so they have died to this world and paul says to live is what? Christ. That is, when I live, my whole commitment and my whole goal is Christ. He says, but to die is what? Gain. Because that gain too is, if I die in Christ, I'll go and be with him. Isn't it? As I'm here, my devotion is to him. To live for him. So it's now Christ that lives through us. So yes. Yeah. Um, love is a is a key component love love breeds trust trust also breeds faith and faith gives birth to obedience so these are the stages that God will take a person to bring them to obedience 
So yeah, that is it from me. That is it from me. Anyone has any other thing they want to say? Or any question again? Okay. Amen. Amen. So let's just let's just since nobody has anything to say. Um let's just thank God, you know, for the words that we have received today. Let's thank God for um the light that he has shone in our hearts. Let's thank him for, you know, first of all, let's just thank him for salvation. You know, when I ask the question, the reason why God calls us to do this is because he himself has done it for us. So he did it for us first. And he did it so that we, it can compel love. God seeks intimate. God seeks true lovers. Remember Jesus revealed that the Father is looking for true worshippers, those who worship him in spirit and in truth. So let's just thank the Lord for salvation, for his mercy, for even coming down to die for us give his life for us, deny himself for a time, taking up the cross that is meant for us, the punishment that was meant for us, taking it upon himself. Now he gives us his own yoke that is light, our burdens, what we carry before was the burden of sin that led that was leading to death, that the ultimate is destruction. That's what he carried upon himself. And he says, take my yoke. Because again, understanding that we cannot be yokeless. No man is yokeless. If a man is without a yoke, it's only a matter of time, a spirit will come and yoke him or her. So what he does is give me your yoke and take my yoke. His yoke is like, this is my stamp that you are mine. So no other spirit is meant to yoke you. You are mine. And his own yoke is the yoke that leads unto eternal life. His own gives life. Is the, is the one that leads to life. That's why I said, my, my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So, Lord Jesus, we just say thank you. Thank you, O God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, O God, for your word, for your truth, for your light. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your deliverance. Thank you, O God, for what you have done, what you did for us. The price you paid for our redemption, for our salvation. Oh, we cannot say thank you enough. Thank you, Jesus. He said the only thing that we can do that you require from us is that we give ourselves to you. 
Oh God, keep our minds on you. Keep our focus on you. Help us to keep our gaze on you. Help us to give ourselves to you, to present ourselves unto righteousness. Yes. Help us, oh God, to, 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 to give us the grace, the grace to continually present ourselves, to continue, to continue in areas of weakness. Oh God, I pray for great strength upon each person in the name of Jesus, that you empower each person to be able to present ourselves to you as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Because we understand, again, having that understanding that this leads to holiness and holiness leads to eternal life. That is the way we will see you. Oh, help us, oh Jesus. Help us, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for each person here, even those who are not here. Every area of struggle, I pray, oh God, that you bestow upon us grace. That we, we, we as your grace is sufficient, that we, 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 we use the grace that you have given us. Use the access to faith. And when those things come again, calling. We have power to resist. We have power to rebel against the flesh. Oh, that we may be dead to flesh and be but be alive to you, O God, in the name of Jesus. That we walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. In the name of Jesus. Oh, help us, O God, at every point in time. Help us to obey you. Knowing that obedience to you is what leads to life. For man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. When we keep your word, you said that we will abide in your love. Oh, when we abide in your love, is that love that is able to keep us rooted in you, able to make us strong. Help each person, oh God, to keep your word that we may abide in your love. As we abide in your love, that we are rooted in you. And when we are rooted in you, we are free from sin. Yes. Help us, oh God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. All this we pray, oh God, Thank you, Jesus, once again. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, at every point in time, that which you require, is it to pray? Is it to fast? Is it to deny ourselves in those areas? Is it to resist flesh in those areas? Oh, is it to... Is it to give our hearts to you in those areas? Is it to focus on you in those areas? Help us, oh God, that we may continually renew our mind, that we may be able to know and to prove that which is your acceptable, good and acceptable and perfect will in the name of Jesus, so that we walk in, as we walk in, we continue in it. 
and then ultimately become slaves of righteousness that we are completely that we might be completely free be freed from sin thank you jesus thank you god in jesus mighty name we are prayed amen amen, amen.